0: the Lord. He is a good God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles this morning, Ephesians 3, verse number 17. It is good to have all of you here today. Brittany and Blake are in, and I'm glad to see them today. I see Chelsea's family with us today, so glad to have you, glad to have uh The Melix, all right. I I I know that's what happens when you marry into a family, all right? But glad to have all of you here this morning. God bless each of you that are here today. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm just going to talk for a little bit this morning, and I'll be mindful of your time. And I know the service has been a little longer in the front, so I'll try to give it back to you here at the end. But I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning on the subject, the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Lord, help us this morning to speak your word. Let it rest in our hearts today and let us feel your presence and feel that love that passes all understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. The Apostle Paul challenges the church in Ephesus to know, to know the love that of Christ to know the love of Christ it's one thing to read about it it's one thing to hear about it but to know means to have some sense of comprehension more than just more than just a bit of recognition or a little understanding about it but to know it simply is speaking here and if you go to the original And pull from the original, it's very clear that the apostle is, he is challenging us to to have a relationship with God, to have a relationship with Christ, to know the love of Christ. Then he says that the love of Christ passes knowledge. In other words, it is it is incomprehensible to human to the human mind. Uh, it passes. It passes knowledge. Now, for me, that might not be much passing, but for some that have more uh, more knowledge, uh, never get it wrong. The love of Christ still is greater than what you could ever figure out. It's greater than your knowledge. The love of Christ that passes knowledge, it is incomprehensible to the human mind. It, 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 while it can't be understood by, by the human mind, it can be known by the human soul. That is the only way that one can be filled with the knowledge of God, to know the incomprehensible love of Christ. In the Gospel of John, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. The original language clarifies what the English language leaves out. Because the Lord asked him three times if he loved him and he used a different term in the original text each time because the word love in the English language is one of the most under translated words that could be possible because we love everything. We love clothes and love food and love dogs and love wa- our wife. So it's it's really, a, it's, it's kind of difficult isn't it? I mean when somebody's like, well what does that really mean? Well we need more explanation. I. I sometimes try to get my wife to spend a little more time describing that to me. Uh, because she just, she just sees things that she just loves. And then she'll say, I love you. Well, the tone of voice doesn't even say it to me. I need a little more explanation. Tell me a little more. Do you love me like you love the dog in the kennel? You love me like you love the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, and so the Lord is asking Peter. He he begins to break to break down this whole idea of love. The Bible points out about six different basic meanings or forms of love, and it while the English language still uses the word love, and that's just where it's at. In the original, uh, there's different there's different words or phrases. Uh, there's the love of things. Um, the second is there's a strong attachment there's the love of of uh, of uh, that is connected to loyalty which is a love of, of superiors and to subordinates and, and vice versa and then the third type of love the bible speaks about is the love between parents and children and some people believe there's only three types but actually i found that there's six different words and and phrases that are used to to give different meaning to the word love there's the love of close attachment to a brother or a friend, and then there there is the love between a man and a woman. And then the sixth love is the love of God. And the best explanation of the love of God, uh, first of all, the Scripture said God is love. So you can't truly know God without knowing love. And then he says that you can't truly love Him if you don't love your brother. And so there's a lot connected to love and there's a lot connected to salvation in our text. Uh, here in Ephesus the apostle Paul is is telling them to to know, to know to have a relationship with Christ to the point that you could truly say that you love him and that you understand the love of God when Peter when Jesus is talking to Peter and ask him if you love me Sam I've got a little ring going here on the platform it sounds like there may be some effects on my mic um, Peter responds and says yes Lord I, I do love you and uh, um, the second time that he, he gets more specific with it he says Peter do you where, do, when he's asking him about his love, the third time Peter asks ask him, he, he Peter gets upset about it. And um, he, he's he's trying and so he's trying to to, uh, to grasp the, the level of, of love. Jesus is not just saying, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter answers him, Yes, yes, and yes, but he's do using different phrases here. And of course, those of you that have spent time In biblical study, of course, you you understand that he's he's using different phrases here. Um, My point to you this morning is that the love of God is the most powerful love that one could ever know. Because it is a love that knows no end. It is endless because it is the love of God. And, and, and we as humans are finite, but God is infinite, meaning that God knows has no beginning and no ending. He is infinite. It goes beyond. So when we speak of the love of God, we are not speaking of love in the realm that humans have boundaries on their love. I mean, some of you love me as long as I preach what you want me to preach. Some people love you just because you're you know, you're giving to them or you're doing something for them, but that love quickly ends. But the love of God has zero attachments to it. It is an infinite love that loved you before you were. When, when before you were ever formed, He already knew you. He already had a connection with you before you were ever formed. And so, therefore, the love of God stayed with you. If you think that God stopped loving you because you fell out of relationship with Him, him and you begin to sin, you're wrong. Because the love of God, it, it's, it's incomprehensible to the human mind because we think in realms of if you don't do what I say do, then, then uh, you know, my love's going to come to him. But the love of God is so far reaching that when he was hanging on the cross, he was not doing it for the saved. He was doing it for the sinner. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm preaching to you this morning about an incomprehensible love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. That even in your mistake, even in your sin, even in your wrong, God is saying, I still loved you. You can't get bad enough, I don't love you. You can't run far enough, I don't love you. There's nothing you can do to make me not love you. I love you with a God-loving, love and infinite love. Amen. I've talked to many people that seem to serve the Lord with the attitude of, of, of what is required. When when the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, I've talked to you about this before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the scripture said, For the love of Christ, he uses this word, he said, It constraineth us. Say that word with me. It constraineth. It constraineth us. Now, um, the, 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 love, the love of God has the power to constrain us. I've talked to many people and, and they have the attitude of what's required to serve the Lord. I, I, I've had people tell me before, well, I, I'm not sure if I could serve God. I'm not sure if I could be part of your church. There's so many requirements. No, not really. If you look at, if you look at serving God with a list of requirements of do's and don'ts, you've missed the whole point of the love of Christ. Uh, it's it's not about what is required of us we got to have a shift here in our mind to understand that it is the love of christ that constraineth us these the, the the concept of of what is required or what what's the bare minimum what do I have to do uh, in 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 and still be able to get by and still be able to get saved and if I could just slip in you know I don't have to have a mansion if I could just have a little cabin over in the corner somewhere you know and I've heard people talk about that you're missing the point it's not about it's not about a list of do's and don'ts and how good you are or how bad you are you you've got an old Testament mentality you have a law mentality about the love of Christ. But the scripture said the love of Christ constraineth us. In the Old Testament, men lived by the law. The law was a record of, do, of rules, of do's and don'ts. The law created strict guidelines for people to live by. The law created a certain standard of regulation. The law mandated a particular lifestyle. The law handed down directives and required participation. The law enforced the commandments. The law demanded obedience and ensured swift judgment with uh with, with for for anyone who chose to to be disobedient but what the law could not do is the law could never restore man back into right relationship you will never the church will never no ministry will ever create a long enough list of do's and don'ts and create enough legislation in the church and point people to the biblical points and say you must do this and must do that and and if you do all of these things things, the Lord is going, you're going to be restored back into right relationship. Law will never get people back into right relationship. Only love can bring man back into right relationship with God. It was the love of Christ that that restored man back into relationship with God. Right relationship eradicates the demands and the directives. You no longer have to have a list of do's and don'ts. Jesus said it like this, if you love me keep my commandments that's what I'm I'm just telling you that when you get love right with the Lord everything starts being easy instead of us saying what do I have to do you start saying I love him what can I do there it's not a I'm not worried about what I have to give up what can I do to please him The love between a husband and a wife is exemplified in the love between Christ and His church. There's nothing that a man wouldn't do for his family. Giving your life for your family is not too much to ask. You see, there's the idea that our love and our giving of ourself is related one to another. It's a matter. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Whenever God was ready to reveal the magnitude of his love toward mankind, he did it by the magnitude of his gift to mankind. When God got ready to show men how much he loved them, he robed himself in flesh and goes to a cross and says this, is how much let me show you greater love hath no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Everything we do for God has love attached to it and relationship attached to it. It is not about laws and requirement. Obedience to God's Word and His law is, is for our benefit. It's everything that, that the Bible tells us to do. It's not about for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. And if we do it with a heart of love, if our service to the Lord is done out of love. When you ask me, Pastor, why do you live the way you do if it's because I have to to be saved then I'm missing the point but if I have the love of Christ right if I know the love of Christ I don't tell you it's because the church says I have to do it or because I gotta do it to be saved but when I start saying I do it because I love him because he first loved me when I get relationship with love right things start being a whole lot easier If I say because I have to, it becomes a matter of rules and requirements and law. And law cannot do what love can do. Because law has nothing to do with love. But if I choose to live this way because I love Him, then it's out of love. It's an act of love. And it captures the heart of God. If we're obedient because it's required, He says that kind of sacrifice He would no longer require. But if we do it out of the abundance of our heart, when our love is so that our heart is broken and we have a contrite, pliable spirit, he said a broken and a contrite spirit, he would in no wise cast out god is a giver and the reason that he gives so liberally is because he loves so liberally the very first commandment says that that we are to love the lord thy god with all of thy heart soul Mind and strength. Do you get that? We are. He he loved us, and it says we are to love Him. Not just with one little way or another. He says with all. Everybody say all. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. In other words, we have to put everything we have. We've got to fall in love with Him in everything that we do. With our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then the second commandment picks right back up and says, and love your neighbor <laughs> as your own self. What a selfish, a, a, self, a selfless, let me get that right. What a selfless form of love, to love as you love yourself. There are eight, let's talk about love and interpersonal relationships within the church. I'm just going to leave you this little nugget this morning. And and I'll get you out of here before long. But there are eight needs. There are eight needs of people during times of crisis. And in your interpersonal relationships with people. uh, And if you're a note taker, you might want to write some of these down. It might help you in the future when you are dealing with your relationships with others And to understand when the love of Christ is in you, this ought to exude out of you. Somebody ought to say amen to that. When the love of Christ is in you, you are to show the love of Christ. So the love of Christ should show out of you. So there are eight basic needs that most people have during times of crisis. One, it is the need of your presence. Two, it is the need to hear "I love you" unconditionally. Number three, it is the need for acts of kindness. Number four, it is the need to laugh. Number five, is the need to hear a positive voice. Number six, is the need to feel valuable. Number seven is the need to be affirmed. And number eight is the need to belong. And in times of crisis, people, there are eight, that list of eight. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, uh, here's how he says it. As you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. So it doesn't matter. It may be easy for somebody to, to, to say, wow, I have an opportunity of somebody to somebody in high places to show them love or to show them kindness or to be a positive voice to them. But when it's somebody that can't return the favor, when it's somebody that can't bless you back, when it's somebody that can't give you the position on your job, but you go to the least of them, the scripture said, when you've done it unto the least of these, that's when you're doing it unto him. Him, When your attitude gets so that what I'm doing has nothing to do with what I get back, but I'm doing it because I love him. When you do it to the least of these, you are doing it unto him. How sad that we neglect those around us because Jesus said that when we do we are we are neglecting him. How can we neglect one that has given us life so freely? Jesus came to earth for a purpose. He came to save fallen man and it took him all the way to the cross For 33 and a half years he lived, then he went to the cross. He didn't all he had to do was die the sacrificial lamb only had to die. He didn't have to go to the cross. I know it was pr- prophesied that he would die the death of the cross but Jesus didn't have to go to the cross for salvation for he was the lamb. The lamb was slain on an altar. It was There was a sharp hot knife that sliced the throat of the lamb and the blood spilled and, and, our, and the sins of man were rolled ahead. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross to die. He could have called 10,000 angels to come down and save him. But I came today to tell you that it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. What tied Jesus to the cross is the same thing that ties you and I to the church. It's the love of Christ that constrains us, that holds us into place. i tell you why I got up and came to church this morning. It is the love of Christ. That's what constrains me. It's not because my daddy was a, a preacher and I was raised in church. It's the love of Christ. The same thing that held Jesus to the cross is the same thing that holds me in the body of Christ. For it is the love of Christ that constrains It's His love that holds me here. It's His love that makes me give up every day. It's His love that makes me live holy and live righteous and and live moral and be upstanding. It's the love of Christ that constrains me. Everything we do, our holiness, our church attendance, our commitment, everything that we do, It's not because it's required for membership. It's because the love of Christ constrains us to do it. Don't tell us how much you love God if it doesn't show in your life. If there is love, it will always express itself. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. All he had to do was die. But it was customary for a man to be tied to the cross. But it was love that Constrained him. I'm closing this morning. The sacrificial lamb wasn't beaten. It wasn't wounded. It wasn't bruised. The sacrificial lamb went and was inspected to see that there was nothing broken and that everything was good and that it was... Why then did Jesus... Why was he wounded and why was he bruised? Isaiah 53 and verse 5 gives us a little insight into that. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we, Or healed everything that he did, he did for us. He didn't have to suffer the death of the cross. He didn't need the pain of the stripes. He didn't need the agony of the thorns, the humility of the bruises. All Christ had to do was die. You don't have to worship him this morning. You don't have to sing and lift your voice and lift, you don't have to do that. But when you know the love of Christ, (laughs) when you know the love of Christ, there is something in you that says, I can't come and just sit motionless through a service and let, Somebody else praise and let the angels in heaven desire to look into this heavenly gift. I've got to engage in what's going on. You want to know why I clap my hands, why I lift my hands. You want to know why I worship exuberantly. It's because it's the love of Christ. I, I know something. I, I have a relationship with Him. I recognize He did things for me that He didn't have to do when He went to the cross. He could have just just purchased my salvation. But he did more than purchase my salvation. He also purchased my healing. And he purchased my peace of mind. And he purchased the, the ability for me to be able to walk in, in mental capacity when I shouldn't be able to. He was wounded for my transgressions. When I failed him, I can look away to Calvary and know there's hope for me. It's not just the sacrifice of dying. But he said, when you fail me, there's hope get back up. When you've done horrible wrongs, he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was on him so I can have peace of mind. He did more than he had to because he loved us so much. Oh, child of God, if you love him this morning, you ought to stand to your feet. You ought to put your hands in the air and you ought to express yourself to him for a moment today. You ought to just express your love and work Words to him this morning. Don't do it for me, but do it to him. What the law could not do, the love of Christ has done for us. The law couldn't touch a man's heart, but the love of God has touched our heart. The law could not change a man's mind, but the love of God has changed our mind. The law couldn't restore broken relationship, but the love of God has restored us back. The law couldn't redeem Man, But the love of Christ can redeem us. Oh, come on, somebody in this house. Why don't you just throw those hands high? Why don't you lift your voice loud this morning and just cry out to the Lord and declare to Him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Maybe somebody just wants to step out and walk to the front of this room today with hands lifted high and just come to say, I love you, Jesus. I worship you. I do I worship and adore you That I love you more than anything Oh, come on, there's still room for you here in the front this morning
1: I love
0: you, Jesus i uh-huh.